Today is the last week of our sermon series where we're answering questions that have been posed to the elders by the congregation. And today we're going to be addressing uh, a topic that is relevant to everybody, and that is the afterlife. Death is a strange thing. You know, as a, as a pastor, I've been around it, I feel like before I was a pastor too, just quite a bit. You know, one time many years ago, I went to visit a friend's mother who had not been doing well in the hospital. And when I arrived, I found the family sitting around her bed with her appearing to be resting peacefully. And everyone was saying just how happy they were that I was there. You know, kind of, kind of they felt like, oh, this is great. The pastor's here and, and can pray with us. And they, they handed me her, her hand, hand to hold. But after a couple of minutes of talking with the family, it, it became clear to me, she's already passed. She's, she's gone. Um, from the family's point of view, it was God's perfect timing. The pastor came in. I'm telling you, within five minutes of her passing away, they just kind of cleaned her up and taken all this stuff out. And if I had uh, figured out my parking situation in the garage, I could have been there probably before it happened. I was, had to go back to my car to get my ticket to get validated. By the time I got in the room, she, she had been gone for, for a little while. Um, I was truly, you know, of course, honored, but also cut to the heart with such a significant loss uh, as I sat with this family, uh, you know, death is just a, f- a funny thing. Happens to everybody. Happens to people we know and love. Um, there's a, there's a, f- a funeral I performed many years ago. When I arrived at that funeral home, you know, friend a friend of mine there she was in, in the casket, um, propped up next to the lid of the casket was one of those 90s, like, glamour shots of her from the 90s uh, that the, the family had given to the funeral home for reference. And the funeral home had dutifully recreated this 90s glamour shot of, of her on her face with, her make, with the makeup. And her daughter came up to me laughing. She's like, I can't believe what they did to mom. And I'm like, I feel permission now that I can chuckle with you, you know, because it's, it's like, I can't believe they used that picture as the reference point for for her now as, as a much older woman she she had that all that pop and makeup um so we had a little bit of laugh all the kids thought it was funny they all knew she was not there they knew she was with jesus uh fortunately the funeral director closed the casket before the sermon so i could gather myself it was very sad after all though as you know if you've been around funerals it's joy mixed with sorrow many times right you're, you're seeing your family and friends, you're, you're sharing stories, you're laughing, and then you're, then you're crying. It's just one of those things. Two weeks ago, or actually no, I'm going to say it was a little over a month ago, I had the great honor of being the last person um, that was with my grandfather as he began to slip away. Um, he died just a couple hours after I left the hospital. And my grandfather was a believer. Uh, in Jesus. He had given his life to Christ uh, during the Jesus movement in the 70s. I was sharing with some, some, some folks this morning. Uh, his wife became a Christian, then he became a Christian shortly after. They thought they were already married. And so uh, they loved Jesus. Uh, the, the previous week I was in the hospital and he was, my, my papa was uh, able to talk. And so we were singing some hymns together, singing some everlasting arms, you know, has his favorite hymn. Um, we were praying together. With my, with my mother and my grandmother, who is, who is also living. And now, he's just gone. You know, this larger-than-life character in our lives, just gone. 
no longer physically present except for in our memories and in the pictures we and the stories we share. You know, death is a funny thing like that. It just, it's a final transition. And today we're going to be hopefully responding to the question, you know, what does the Bible actually say about the afterlife? And what does that tell us about God and what it means uh, for us? And how should we live as a result of our knowledge there? Um, I, 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 it's become kind of popular to, to talk about uh, people saying on, on, on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all these Twitter, you know, Jesus didn't talk about the afterlife. You know, there's not, there's not talk about the afterlife in the Bible. But there really is. There is a lot of talk. Jesus' parables were mostly talking about uh, this picture of like coming to the end of your life and not being ready. You know, like Jesus was constantly talking about preparing for death. Um, talked about heaven. Talked about hell. Um, he, he, and of course, some of these different words used for these things, there's nuance there, but he's talking about eternal realities. He's talking about life after death. He's talking about the afterlife. There's, pl- there's plenty of stuff from Jesus, and, um, and I want to hear from him today. But all of us, you know, at least once a year, at least um, a few moments each year, we have that moment in our lives where we just feel the weight of our mortality. We feel the weight of our life. We notice our, our body is changing and breaking down, not, not quite recovering the way we, it used to. Um, we're, we're at a funeral for, for someone that we, uh, we think, oh, this is too soon. Uh, but you just realize, you know, we are, we are, we're moving towards something inevitable here. It's not a pleasant thought. And whatever your belief system is or has been, there's an undisputed bit of theology that most of us can agree on is that we are going to die someday. And we do not know when that will be. We don't know if we're going to get all kinds of time to prepare for death or if it's going to be a moment where it just happens so quickly. Um, But all of us agree, regardless of of the particular circumstances, it's going to happen. We're going to die someday. Like most young people, or young, I know I'm I'm still a young person-ish, right? You know, just a dumpy middle-aged guy now. Um, <laughs> like most young people, though, when I was in the late teen and t- early 20s, I didn't realize at the time what a beautiful phase of life I was in. I was, like, complaining. Oh, why are there so many weddings? Every weekend a wedding. <laughs> or how about when in high school? Every weekend a new graduation party, you know? Like, it's just happening in quick succession. But as I think about that time now, that beautiful time of busy, life-giving, hopeful stuff... You know, at the same time, my papa, who just passed away, his very best friend died at that time. And it was like his best friend who he then had to live the rest of his life not being in fellowship with, someone he spent time with all the time. It was his final best friend. And he was at a time of life where I was having all these fun things happen. He was having a time where my friends are falling one by one. My family members are falling one by one. And living into his 90s, he had to suffer through that. How sad that is. Now, I tell you, I'd rather be in that, that wedding phase or the graduation party phase forever. Sometimes people are full of years. Sometimes people are, you know, 
delivering meals on wheels like a friend of ours from this church and went through a winter storm and hit a telephone pole and she was just gone at 19. Sometimes people by no choice of their own were born with fetal alcohol syndrome and they live knowing that in their early teens they're not going to be able to move forward. As wrong as it all feels, it's moving towards us. We have to struggle with this. And it is not, death does not discriminate between people. It takes everybody. Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> everybody. Uh, so have a great day, everybody. <laughs> now. But as Christians, we have a great hope in Christ. And this is not just salve for our flimsy souls and the crutch that we stand on. It's the reality. We have a great hope in Christ. Death does not get the last word. Every Christian dies, but death does not get the last word. God has a better plan. The hope of a paradise with Jesus and his people. The hope of a glorified bodily resurrection. So if you read about Jesus rising from the dead and then doing all kinds of really cool stuff with his physical body, including walking through walls apparently and all kinds of stuff, his glorified body, we all, we all have the hope of having one of those someday. Beyond the day of our death. We all as Christians have the hope of closing our eyes in the earthly realm and then to reopen them in Jesus' presence. I thought about that with my grandfather just when his eyes would open and I couldn't see recognition, but I thought, you know, how many more times will his eyes open and see me and then they'll open and see Christ in perfect focus? What a cool thing that is. The hope of being free of temptation that we deal with every day to be free of that shadow of death that we're talking about this morning, that, that shadow of death that seems so alone, to be free of that. To have the hope of true intimacy, true friendship, true, if you will, the, de the depth of a marriage relationship that God has with his people. That's how he describes himself, the bridegroom and we're his bride. So having this perfect relationship, being known by God even as we are fully known, and being fully loved by God in the midst of that knowing. You know, we have great hope as Christians, the hope of continuing to live life but without the effects of sin and death weighing us down, the life eternal. The hope for every person who dies in Christ, in contrast to those who do not believe in Christ, is resurrection. When a person dies, the Bible says that those who know Christ uh, pass directly into his presence. That's what happens the moment someone passes away, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 6-10. It says, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We make it our goal to please him. 
And it's, but I, I love this, this, this promise from 2 Corinthians that when we're in the body, we're in this realm. And when we are away from this body, we are home with the Lord. Just like that. Just like that. Quick trip. As soon as a believer dies and takes their final breath, they close their eyes to this world and open them once again in God's presence. This is something that theologians call the intermediate state. Not doctors. They're pretty sure you're dead. But theologians are hopeful people. The intermediate state doesn't sound so good to me. You're, you're in Christ, but your body is not resurrected yet. Um, but it is a good thing. It is a great thing. Jesus calls it paradise. That's one of the things he calls it. When Jesus was being crucified, there was a, uh, a lawbreaker, probably a murderer or some other such crime, uh, next to him on the, on the cross next to him. And in Luke 23, 43, the, this, this uh, criminal cries out to Jesus and asks Jesus to save him. And Jesus promises him, um, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Listen to this verse in Luke 23:42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. In this, in this amazing story, we first of all see that a person is saved by faith in Christ alone. By faith in Christ alone. By God's grace alone. That's what we see in this story. There's this hardened criminal has no time to repent and turn from his sin, except for in his words, just simply crying out to Jesus in faith, like, I think that you are God, save me. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you're going to be with me in paradise today. That's the intermediate state, in paradise with God. You close your eyes on this end, you open them up with, with Jesus. It reminds me of John 5, 24, where Jesus promises, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. This is a beautiful reality, you know, being saved by, by grace alone. But the flip side of God's generous offer of salvation is that if you do not receive it, you will not die in Christ, but you will die in your sin, which is a terrible way to go. Because we all have inherited and sin, and we've all committed our own sins. No one wants to die in their sin. We don't want to die guilty. Matthew 10, 28, Jesus says, Do not be afraid as you're considering uh, your life. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, salvation is a free gift of forgiveness of sins offered to each person by God through Jesus Christ. And it's, a, it's based on Jesus' substitutionary death, taking the punishment on the cross that we deserve for our sin. Um, the criminal on the cross had no time to change his life. All he had to do was cry out to Jesus for forgiveness, and Jesus assured him full salvation in paradise. But just because it is a generous gift offered to all does not mean that all people will receive it. And this is the tragedy that we all know is a reality. That's why Jesus warns us in, in a rather, you know, in a very, I think in a very wake-up kind of harsh way in Matthew 10, 28, that verse, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. Be, be concerned about God, the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, in speaking to the Jewish crowd who refused to believe 
that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus said this in John 8, 23 and 24. He said, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you, that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will die in your sins. You will indeed die in your sins. I, we have no idea how to read tone into the Bible, but I really feel like this is a compassionate plea from Jesus, the same as when he, he, he's, he wept over Jerusalem. How I long to gather you people into my fold. How I long to cover you with my, with my wings and save you, but you would have none of it. You, have, you want no part of me. And in that same kind of way, he's saying to, to these people that are not believing him, if you do not believe that I am God, that I am the Savior, Jesus Christ, you will die in your sins. There's only two places to die, and that's in your sins or in Christ. It's all by grace. According to Jesus Christ himself, you know, found in, in, in many different parts of the Scripture, there, these, these are the two ways to go. You can either refuse to acknowledge your need for forgiveness and die in your sins and face judgment, or those like, the, like us, I would say, and like the thief on the cross, we cry out to Jesus and we're saved by grace. And we pass into paradise, into an afterlife uh, with God in that place. According to Jesus, a lack of belief and faith in Christ causes someone to die in their sin and be destroyed. He talks about hell. A person's faith in Christ and Christ's, Christ's sacrifice for sin, however, guarantees a person a place in God's paradise. You know, remember it says in 2 Peter, God desires that none should perish, but that all should come to a saving knowledge of Christ. That's why God tells us to share the good news of Jesus Christ's death on the cross with everybody in all the earth, teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded them uh, because the world needs to come to know the good news and be saved so that they can die in Christ as well and live in Christ. And we are God's vehicle for delivering that, that message. In Matthew 20, 19-20, the, the classic verse, Jesus says, and again, picture Jesus with an evangelistic heart desiring that no one should perish, for all should come to salvation through Christ, through the gift of faith. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know, the world must come to know the good news, and we are God's vehicle for delivering it, that many people would be saved. You know, many, a lot of times people will get in the weeds saying, you know, and I think part of this, some of the questions we got were, what about people that haven't heard? What about people that haven't heard the good news and haven't had an opportunity to respond? To that, I would say, God is just and the justifier of all. And I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm telling you that it's through Jesus' sacrifice that we are saved. However God wants to apply that to people in a just way who haven't heard, that's God's business. But for us, we're supposed to share this good news with ourselves and with other people. We're supposed to do that. We are the vehicle that God has to share the good news. And uh, we leave all those kind of like out there, you know, people isolated in, in an island mass, never heard of Christ, all those hypotheticals that philosophers talk about, we leave them in the hands of a loving and just God who will deal with them the right way in a way that, we, that uh, is, is fair and just and good. But we are supposed to share. We don't want people to be dying in their sins. We want them to be dying in Christ. Just like us, just like that thief on the cross. By grace. 
In John 14, 1 to 3, Jesus' disciples are becoming more and more troubled as he speaks of his coming death on the cross. And Jesus describes paradise to comfort them. He says, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Would I have done that if it was not so? And offer you false hope? No. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. This picture of just Jesus adding on to his Father's mansion a room for you. A room for you. Don't be troubled. Keep on going through, through the suffering of life, the persecution that you're experiencing, he says to his disciples. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled about other believers who die in this time of persecution. They are, they are they're good. There's a place for them too. A special place. The soul who trusts Jesus joins all of the other individuals who are waiting patiently for Jesus to bring about his fulfilled kingdom and to bring about the resurrection. You know, this, this time in the intermediate place in paradise, uh, it's, a t- it's a time of, of extreme peace and joy. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. You know, whatever you read about Jesus in the New Testament and who he was and how he treated people, um, sinners as well as religious people, you know, that's the Jesus we're talking about. I think that when you are in paradise and your eyes are open to the grace of God and you see Jesus face to face when you die as a believer, you will have no doubt that you are his beloved. You will not doubt that. You will know for sure that resurrection is coming because you'll be looking at the one who, re- who resurrected from the dead in his body. You will be at perfect peace and rest. And you will wait patiently with all of those souls who have come through death before you and are waiting on Christ to finish his good work. Despite not being fully realized, this period after death and before the resurrection of Christ could be described as paradise already. But waiting, but waiting for Christ to, to bring about the end and to bring about the fulfillment of his kingdom is not all there is to look forward to. You know, God has selected a time when he will bring history to a close. His kingdom will become fully realized. His followers will have their bodily resurrection. When the time for resurrection comes, those who have died in Christ and are waiting in him will join those who are still living, and we will dwell together in God's kingdom, in Christ's presence. This is uh, taken from 1 Thessalonians 4, often read at funerals. According to the Lord's word, it says in verse 15, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who are already dead will rise and have bodily resurrection. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. This is that, that precious time when Christ, when, 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 when families who have confessed Christ are reunited in God's kingdom. But that's not the end. You know, after a time when Jesus decides it's time for, for his second coming, the end will come. And those who have been waiting in Christ will, will witness it. You'll be able to see it. And those who have not died will join the multitude of the saved in heaven who will witness it as, as well. Revelation 21, 1-4 has, has a picture of this new heaven and new earth that we look forward to. 
as far as I'm concerned, these things that are these these two promises from First Thessalonians four and Revelation twenty one have not been fulfilled yet. We're waiting on these to be fulfilled, but we have full based on the track record of fulfilled promises in the Bible, it's remarkably thoroughly fulfilled. So if God's fulfilling that that many promises, and it is, it's staggering when you look at the promises that have been fulfilled in the Old Testament, he will certainly fulfill this one as well. Revelation twenty one, one to four. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Now from this time, when, we, when, when believers die and they pass directly into the presence of Christ, because to be away from the body is to be present with the Lord, there will be a time when Jesus will bring all things to, to, to their close. The new heaven and the new earth. The dead will be raised to life, and those who are still living will meet with them, and everyone will be reunited in this kingdom uh, of, of Christ. And there will be a life to be lived in that kingdom. There will be a life beyond the life that we're living to be lived. Not just playing a harp in the clouds. There will be stuff to do. There will be stuff to do. We don't have all the details of it, but I, I'm, I'm very suspicious of this. In John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus is having a conversation with Martha about her brother Lazarus, Lazarus who is also Jesus' good friend, who had just died. And Jesus offers his take on the situation. In the, in the course of explaining to her about the afterlife, Jesus says to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Me. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, according to Jesus, everlasting life, real life, consists in believing and following his teachings. In verse 26, that's made abundantly clear. The one who believes in Jesus will live. And even though they die, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in Jesus will never die. Now, so when we consider our own death and our own mortality, we should remember first that we do not have all the details to know everything that's going to happen after we die, but we have enough, certainly enough from Jesus to know how we should think about these things, how we should evaluate our lives and think about our lives. Jesus teaches in Matthew 10, 28, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of, of the things that people are typically afraid of in this world, but live in a holy reverence of, of God who can save who can give and take life. You know, be reverent for the one that, can, that has capable of destroying both soul and body in hell. Our salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone. Um, you know, rather than foolishly living for our tiny kingdoms, Jesus encourages us to live according to his teachings and his ways to submit ourselves to God's kingdom, to God's rule and reign on the earth, not placing no other gods before him. And... He, the, the point of pretty much of a large percentage of Jesus' parables is be found doing that when he returns. Be found doing it. Be found working. Be found ready. Be found serving the Lord when he comes back. We don't have all the details of everything that happens after we are, after we are gone and God's kingdom is fulfilled on this earth. 
We have enough. Uh, we have enough to know that God is good. God is just. His judgments are good and true. And we know that he has a good future planned for people who die in Christ. On July 18th of this year, 2022, a very good lifelong friend of mine shared her reflection on the death and dying of her father one year ago on July 18th, 2021. Her father was a man who uh, led my mother to Christ when um, my mother was in high school. Her father was a man who ministered for like 60 years straight. Didn't have, no one had bad things to say about him. He didn't have, he, he was a holy and righteous person who loved Jesus, wrote several books, a real inspiration to me. Every time he came into town, we'd meet up with him and talk to him. But, uh, but he ended up getting, um, getting cancer, pancreatic cancer, which you know is a terrible cancer to get. And uh, he fought it, but he wasn't able to, to, to win that earthly battle. And on July 18, 2021, he, he lost his life. But my friend, who is his oldest daughter, wrote on Facebook on July 18th, One year ago today, in the wee hours of the morning, we watched Dad take his final breath. Those last 24 hours went by so fast. He had managed to speak to us throughout, giving us a glimpse glimpse of what he was experiencing. It was like he was walking through a long passageway, and we had to stay behind. But he was whispering to us what he saw. I'm with him, was one of the things he muttered. And for those of you who knew our dad, there is no question that meant Jesus who my dad loved. At the end of the passageway was heaven. We couldn't go with him, but I think Jesus was holding his hand and walking him through, enabling the opportunity for dad to experience the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Philippians 3.10 It was God's gift to me that in the wee hours of this very morning, around the very time that my dad died a year ago, I woke up with the song, Hymn of Heaven, playing in my mind. It's a great reminder that there is life beyond the grave, that our life here in the Shadowlands has meaning and purpose. And she quotes the hymn, And on that day we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. With one voice a thousand generations sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, forever he shall reign. So let it be today we shout the hymn of heaven. With angels and the saints we raise a mighty roar. Glory to our God, who gave us life beyond the grave. Holy, holy is the Lord. It's important, I think, that the worship team come forward today. We're we're ending with this song, Stronger. It's about Jesus' ultimate and total victory that he he has won over sin and death at the cross. And this song points us not only to what happened on the cross thousands of years ago, but to a future when Jesus' kingdom will be realized and we will see that he is strong. He's strong enough to bring about the end, to bring a new heaven and a new earth, a new place for his people to dwell where he is our God and we are his people. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ has come that you would have life and life abundantly. So live an abundant life. Get ready to die a great death. You are dispersed. Go and be the church.